Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you this morning that we could come here. And we are thankful that forever you will be ours and we will be yours. Thankful this morning for the opportunity to get out amongst this strange, strange time that we can gather and dive into your word. And if you don't mind, Terry, if you would sing a third chorus in that last verse again, because it works well, please, and then we'll pray. Lord, we are thankful this morning that we could come here and we can sing that our chains are gone, that they have been set free. Lord, but I pray this morning that if we, if anybody in here has started to pick up those chains again to try to toss them back on their shoulders and carry weight that they're not supposed to be carrying, Lord, that they don't leave this back door this morning without getting rid of those chains because there's nothing about those chains that you want us to still have. So that is my prayer this morning. In your name I pray. Amen. Good morning. I'm not even going to have to forget to dismiss the kids because they got to stay too. My wife said no jokes. I know, right? I didn't listen either. I developed a cough about six or seven minutes ago that wasn't here a while ago. And Mr. Beaver in the back said, it's the water you're drinking. Your body's rejecting it. It's never seen it. <laughs> I didn't know how to take that. I think it was with love. I'm not sure. All right, so you guys are stuck with me this morning. Is that all right with you? Wow. <laughs> Stay, I'm going to come back and try that again. That's bad. All right, Aaron said, I've got only one job this morning, so I am going to do it. And uh, Luke gave me plenty of notice this week, uh, early in the week. So, I, I, you know, like I normally do, I, I ask myself, what do you want to preach? <laughs> it's always good. And uh, so I, I thought and thought and thought and uh, I had a hard time because I have to tell you that we are in a really strange time societally. Would you agree? We are in a we are in an unprecedented weird lull. I don't know anybody that I've ran into yet that's like this is the greatest thing ever. Like it just doesn't it's not there. Um, so it's a weird time. So how do you preach out of a weird time? And and so that got me you know running into the trials of life. But if we're not on the mountain, we're in a trial. We're in that valley. So. I'm going to do something this morning that I have never done. A, preach with an iPad. B, bring you something out of the message translation. Um, and there's a reason for it here in a minute. But um, I don't typically preach from the message translation. I'm not opposed to the message translation, but I wouldn't break down line for line. But I would be an advocate if you uh, like to listen to other translations when you are studying. If you read from the message, it is a big, big overview. Not a good finite word to break down every word, but it is a good thing. I like to read it because I'm pretty ADD and I don't follow along very well. And so sometimes if I want to read an entire passage or an entire chapter or something, I like to read the message because it breaks things down into very storybook context. So <clears throat> I don't like to always give you a lot of words, but I'm going to this morning. Um, I am going to read to you the entire, if you're following along, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Out of the message, I'm going to try to do it without these glasses because y'all make fun of me. <clears throat> Since God has so generously let us in on what he is doing, we're not about to throw up our hands and walk off the job just because we run into occasional hard times. We refuse to wear masks and play games. We don't maneuver and manipulate behind the scenes, and we don't twist God's word to suit ourselves. 
Rather, we keep everything we do and say out in the open, the whole truth on display so that those who want to see can judge for themselves in the presence of God. If our message is obscure to anyone, it's not because we're holding back in any way. No, it's because these other people are looking or going the wrong way and refuse to give it serious attention. All they have eyes for is the fashionable God of darkness. They think he can give them what they want and that they won't have to bother believing a truth they can't see. They're stone blind to the day spring brightness of the message that shines with Christ who gives us the best picture of God we'll ever get. Remember, our message is not about ourselves. We're proclaiming Jesus Christ, the master. All we are is messengers, errand runners from Jesus for you. It started when God said, light up the darkness, and our lives filled up with light as we saw and understood God in the face of Christ, all bright and beautiful. If you only look at us, you might, you might well miss the brightness. We carry this precious message around in unadorned clay pots of our ordinary lives. That is to prevent anyone from confusing God's incomparable power with us. As it is, there's not much chance of that. You know for yourselves that we're not much to look at. Thank you all. Appreciate you. I weren't supposed to laugh there. We've been surrounded and battered by troubles. And this is about where I wanted to pick up in the, the point of this morning. We have been surrounded and battered by troubles, but we're not demoralized. We're not sure what to do, but we know that God knows what to do. We've been spiritually terrorized, but God hasn't left our side. We've been thrown down, but we haven't broken. What they did to Jesus, they do to us. Trial and torture, mockery and murder. What Jesus did among them, he does in us. He lives. Our lives are at constant risk for Jesus' sake, which makes Jesus' life all the more evident in us. While we're going through the worst, you're getting the best. We're not keeping this quiet, not on your life. Just like the psalmist who wrote, I believed it, so I said it. We say what we believe, and what we believe is the one who raised up the master Jesus will certainly raise us up with you alive. Every detail works to your advantage and to God's glory, more and more grace, more and more people, more and more praise. Here's the point. So we're not giving up. How could we? Even though on the outside it looks like things are falling apart on us, on the inside, where God is making new life, not a day goes by Without his unfolding grace, these hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming good times, the lavish celebration prepared for us. There's far more here than meets the eye. The things we see now are here today, gone tomorrow, but the things we can't see now will last forever. Lord, I I, I pray that you give me the words in the next hour and 20 minutes to bring just what you would have say in this really weird time to try to go to your word to figure out how we as Christians should be acting, living, and, and making our way through tough times of life, whether it be this really strange pandemic or any other thing that we've got that we've cast upon ourselves. In your name I pray, amen. What's up? <clears throat> so, actually, I'm going to play a video, and I want you all to listen to the words. I, I've been, I heard this song. i got to stay in front of the camera. I heard this song. Um, two months ago, maybe, and I've been working on it, been working on it, but needless to say, I, I, I'm just not there yet, but it's super, super relevant, um, because the guy that wrote this, wrote this song out of this Second Corinthians 4, and these trials of life that, you know, that we're not knocked down in the midst of it, so Mr. Rob, uh, you might recognize this guy, this guy's name is Todd Tillman, 
Uh, yes, he just won The Voice. Uh, he's a pastor in Meridian, Mississippi, um, and he's pretty awesome. There's no doubt about it. But I, I want you to hear the words because the words of this song say it is still to come, and we'll get to it here in a minute if it works. Technology's not our friend always. told it's temporary and I'm trying to hang on and they tell me don't get weary and they say don't lose your song and it's not that I'm afraid the storm will last. It's the things that might be lost along its path. And I wish that I could tell you what's on the other side of the mountain without the climb. But the glories. Still to come, despite what I see now, and the clouds are sure to break, even if I don't know how. And I know I'm not alone fighting the fear, fighting the doubt, and I know the end is not what I see now. Glory still to come. One foot in front of the other, even crawling if I must. There's more beauty from the dust So I'm giving all I have and all I am And when I've done all I can do That's when I'll stand And I wish that I could tell you What's on the other side of the mountain Without the climb, but the glory's still to come, despite what I see now. And the clouds are sure to break, even if I don't know how. And I know I'm not alone fighting the fear, fighting the doubt, and I know. The end is not what I see now, and this thing's not forever, and this pain is not for nothing. Every moment. 
its purpose, it has meaning. And I wish that I could tell you what's on the other side of the mountain without the climb. But the glory's still to come. Despite what I see now, and the clouds are sure to break, even if I don't know how. And I know I'm not alone fighting the fear, fighting the doubt. And I know the end is not what I see now, because the glory still to come. Oh. That might not be for y'all, it might just be for me to put me in the right mindset to preach, but I heard that and those words. Um, were the first thing to hit me, A, because as you could tell, piano is probably not his first instrument. Uh, he's a pastor. He's just, <clears throat> he's at, he's at the church and he, he writes this song and, and it's not available, no chords yet. So I had to actually write it down because I've really been trying to learn it because what hits me as I listen to that is, as he gets into that pre-chorus and it says, I wish that I could tell you what's on the other side of the mountain without the climb. And that's weird, right? Because I'm a visual listener. So as I'm hearing things and I'm envisioning the valley that we live life in, we live life either in on the mountain or in the valley. You're going to be in one of them. There's, there's, you're, you're, you're either going in or coming out. Take your pick. Uh, it could be little, could be big. It, it doesn't matter. It's all the same. And, and the crazy part is he says, I wish that I could tell you. I really want to know what's on the other side of this mountain without the climb, but I don't. And that's the reality. And so the frustrating part is, I, as I read through 2 Corinthians 4, and I think about, you know, being in a valley or being in a troubling time of life, how do I get out of it? Because the answer doesn't really rest back there in 2 Corinthians. It was a hard thing. Um, it was a hard space to be in because it's like we're going to suffer well. And, and in those troubling times, because they're coming, we are going to, even though our outward appearance might be bad, inwardly God is renewing us. But how? But how? But And that's my frustrating part is I wanted to preach 2 Corinthians 4 around that song because I absolutely love it. Um, it. It's insane. He gets into that bridge and he says, and this suffering is not forever and this pain is not for nothing. That, that's, that's glorious there. There's no getting around it. And y'all, I, I will post that. You can actually watch that later in case you're like me and you got to digest something a couple times for it really to sink in. But it says, every moment of my breaking has its purpose. It has meaning. And God allows us to do that. And so here's what I found myself. I found myself wanting to preach 2 Corinthians 4, but I kept asking myself, but how? But how? But how? How do we effectively hang out in a valley and suffer well or live well? Um, I, I got, let's go with the opportunity. I went to a candlelight vigil uh, a handful of nights ago in the Kmart parking lot for a lady that we've known for years that, died in a house fire. Crazy. Crazy circumstance. But they handed out Psalm 23 
to everybody to read. And, and I found myself going back to reading through some of that this week. And, and as I read through Psalm 23, um, Psalm 23 is one of those ones that you read and as you hear it, um, probably some of my favorite subjects to ever preach are the ones that I personally, because I have ADD so bad and, and I stay moderately distracted, I can't watch a movie a second time. I know that's weird, like can't. You know, Dirty Dancing comes on, boom, flip it. And it has nothing to do with because I've seen it before. It's terrible. I love you, honey. It's her favorite movie, and I can't watch it. But if I know what's about to happen, my mind starts allowing other things. That was a little bit of a squirrel moment. I'm sorry for that. <clears throat> I hate that movie. <laughs> I do. Only because I can't dance. That's the only reason. They're not hurting my feelings. Um, so, But I can't see something that I've already read or, or watch something that I've already watched because my mind starts allowing other things because I feel like I, I know that. I know that, so I read through it. So scripture that I have heard all my life is some of my favorite to preach about because oftentimes when I stop and spend the time to, to, to really dig in again, at the current time in my life, it means something totally different. God's word is relevant. It hasn't changed. It's still there. All 66 books are still kicking there, and the words of them have not changed, and they're going to be as relevant today as they are 100 years from now as they were 100 years ago. Same books, same things that will get you through what you're going through. So I got to Psalm 23. Obviously, you're all like, Psh, I know that one. Me too. It's cool. So I went to the ESV translation, and I did figure out that we can put Scripture up there. So we did it. There it is. So I'm going to read through the whole thing, and then we're going to go back for a moment. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Y'all, you know what? I like it because everybody knows it. Why don't y'all read it with me? Because that's the kind of guy that I am. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, <clears throat> for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Do you all believe that? fantastic. At least we don't have to get over that hurdle this morning. So as I got into this and I started reading, you know, and I asked my but how, Justin, if you're going to preach and you're going to make a point, which is not usually something that I'm good at, if you're going to make a point that somebody can leave with, how do you suffer well in the midst of strange times or hardships or trials, whether they want to be. The cool part is that when I say hardships or trials or valleys, every one of you are thinking something different, whether it's something relevant that you're going through today or something that you've been through or, or something. So it means something different to everybody. So you're all going to take away from this a little bit of a difference. So this starts out, the Lord is my shepherd. I took my, 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 my shepherd. We have to identify a few things if we're going to use Psalm 23 as our ability to suffer well in the valley. We have to, we have to identify that we are on the same page with this. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. He didn't say the Lord is a shepherd. He didn't say the Lord is the shepherd. He was speaking as the Lord is my shepherd. There are a couple things that you've got to really dig into to understand. If I'm going to say the Lord is my shepherd, David had to understand at that moment that he was a sheep. You agree with that? 
I don't want to lose y'all here because it's the most important thing in the beginning of this. You have got to believe that you are a sheep in need of a shepherd. That's not a compliment. Hear me when I say that for a minute. If you really start studying some of you that like to have livestock and stuff, sheep are stupid, right? (laughs) The truth of the matter is a sheep is stupid. So it's really, uh, let's not use the term stupid because that maybe is a hurtful term that I shouldn't use from the pulpit. Sheep are not smart. (laughs) They're foolish and dependent. We're going to agree with that, right? Now, there's where you're starting to pick it up. So David says, the Lord is my shepherd. He's basically saying, I am a sheep in need of a shepherd, so I claim him, he is that one. That's what you have to do first. If you're going to apply Psalm 23 to your life as anything that you're going to do moving forward, you have to start at the beginning and say, the Lord is my shepherd. Not A, there's a lot of people that don't actually believe in Christ or have a, a saved relationship with him that know that the Lord is a shepherd, but not theirs. They can't say the Lord is my shepherd. You have to be able to say the Lord is my shepherd. You have to be able to say that you are dependent, that you are a lost sheep in need of a shepherd or a savior. Amen? We we have to be on that part because nothing below that works if David didn't say first the Lord is my shepherd. The second part is the part that hurts my feelings the most. Probably the selfish center of Justin has the hardest time writing down notes. So if the Lord is my shepherd, what does it say next? I shall not want. Superficially, that's easy. We've all heard this psalm before. We've read right past it's fantastic. But if I say I shall not want, it's twofold. I have to agree that all of my needs are met by that shepherd. Amen? Right? And that's easy enough because that, 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 that doesn't feel like it hurts at all. That doesn't feel like it hurts my feelings that all of my needs will be provided by the shepherd. The second part of that is the part that I struggle with the most. And I guess I'm saying this publicly out loud, but if you know me well enough, you know that I'm pretty selfish and, and I'm a dude and I'm 39. And there are things that I think that I should have, but... Second part of my note says, I have to decide to not desire more than what the Lord, my shepherd, has supplied me. Hear what I'm saying? I've said that I shall not want. The Lord will provide. The shepherd will provide all of my needs. I have to desire to not want more than what he's given me. Right? Well, Phil Schaefer's got the coolest F-350 dually big box on the back man's got excavators and skid steers and a couple weeks ago we unloaded those pallets i said dude can you meet me at the church tomorrow morning nine o'clock he's like i can't be there but i'll drop you off a skid steer with forks on it yes sir (laughs) that's why none of y'all got the call that i needed help but selfishly deep down inside of me i was like man I want cool stuff like that. Well, guess what? My shepherd has not provided me those things, and I have to be okay with it. And I'm just using that example because you're right there, and I see you, and I love you, and it doesn't hurt anybody's feelings. But the hardest part in my life is, is being acceptant to the fact that if I say I am a sheep and the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. If I'm going to read that out loud like I made y'all do, God heard you read that. He knows if you mean it. That part hurts, right? That part hurts because when I, when I was preparing for this, I'm like, you know what? That is the right passage to talk about in this context because that's good. But then I read, I shall not want. And he, he kicked me a little bit and 
That I, I hang out there. Let's, let's be honest. <clears throat> he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Um, one of the notes that I wrote down, and my wife's going to yell at me because I, I don't normally preach from notes because they keep my attention, but um, I wanted to make sure there were a few points that you didn't miss on this. <clears throat> but knowing that you need a shepherd, if, if he leads me beside paths of righteousness and he leads me to green pastures and still waters, the sheep like green pastures and still waters. The sheep don't need to know where they're at. Do you agree with that? And I know I'm taking a long time to build this foundation, but I believe that it is the very beginning of understanding of the rest of what he says. He, he says he leads me beside still waters, green pastures. Well, the sheep don't have to know. If you've ever hung around sheep well enough, sheep, you know, they just kind of wander and graze and do their thing. They don't know where that next green pasture is. But you know what they need to know where it is? The shepherd, right? <clears throat> so if the sheep know where the shepherd are, they trust in that shepherd, because I shall not want, the shepherd is going to lead them there, and all they need to worry about is making sure that they stay with the shepherd. Does that make sense? Me too, I agree. Thank you for agreeing with me. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Somebody tell me why I will fear no evil. You are with me. And, and again, I'm a visual listener. So when I read this along, that means that he is with me. And we're all understanding the type and shadow that the shepherd is actually Jesus in this walk of the valley that we are supposed to stay alongside Jesus in case y'all weren't catching that. I take a long time to make a point. <clears throat> but he says, for he is with me. I'm not afraid in those low times because you are with me. And, and so, so visually, if I'm here, that doesn't, put, that doesn't put Jesus here at the end of my valley, right? Back here, right? Going, it's okay. Climb. Just keep walking up. Just come. Just, it, it'll be fine when you get out of the valley because I'm here. That's not what the, the word is saying. That's not what God of the Old Testament said. That's not what the Jesus of today says. He says, you know what? It's all good. It's all good. In this trialing time, this is terrible. That's not good for a fact. He says in this trialing time, if that's the other side of the mountain, you can't be afraid because I am here. Which means if you're scared, he's scared. It means if you're going through a pit, he's in that pit with you. Our biggest problem is, is we don't go back to verse 2 that says, I shall not want. I shall not think about it. So, I'm out of breath. It's terrible. I hope that, I hope this is one of those moments that Facebook is stuttering right now. <coughs> and the internet went kaputz. Because I, I probably shouldn't run at my size. It happens. I probably should run at my size. Is that what y'all are saying? I ain't feeling the love. So, I'm going to move on to the actual point that I have this morning. So we are there. We are there. Don't look at me like that. I don't know what to do with flowers. Will you help? I might be able to get it. I might be able to get it. I want to put it like right here. Yeah, I like that. I like that. So he goes on to say, <clears throat> What's that next verse? Ooh, yeah, keep going. We're going to move this. 
Sorry, Facebook land, we're coming to right here. It's not weird. It's 2020, and that's what we're doing. Go on to the next one. Or not. Yeah, there we go. There we go. What's a message from Justin without some props? Right? Maybe. I mean, it could happen. The likelihood of somebody else taking this home is good. Now, read what it says. It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Again, I'm a, I'm a visual. Y'all might have to turn that microphone down because I am a heavy breather when I'm moving fast. <laughs> and this ain't the Old Testament, so the God of Justin right now brings Fiji water because that's what he prepared. And this is my story, not Charles. Again, we're a visual. What do we got? Yeah. We got grapes. We got grapes. Yeah, they looked at me funny this morning at 830 at Kroger's. Because I had a bowl full of this, and they're like, I wonder what he's doing. He doesn't, he's not eating those. I don't know what gala apples are, but I got some. And yes, I borrowed those two bowls from the kitchen. I know you're looking at them going, he better turn them back. I probably won't, ask my wife. Yeah, there we go. So if we're going to get excited over anything, I got a cheese tray. And the cool part is I'm reading Psalm 23 right now as a message that he's preparing a table for me. This ain't for you. This is for me, right? We're all on the same page, and we're still trying to figure out how to get through these valleys. It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So here at my table, Justin's table, that he has prepared for me, got a couple of cups, got some Fiji water for good news. The pineapple is just for decoration. I don't plan on cutting that today. Just, I mean, I've left wood chips up here before, but I, I'm, y'all can't. It was two dollars, all right. It was it was a must-have for dramatic effect. If y'all remember nothing else, he prepared a table, and y'all's table might get pineapple. Be thankful for that. Y'all are all thinking right now what your table is going to have, and it's weird, right? It's weird because the word says you prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Do you find that weird? I find that weird. When you read that, because if I'm thinking about a glorious table that I'm going to sit down with God, that God prepares for me, why in the world do I want that in the presence of my enemies? But that's where God wants to be. God wants to be taking this table and preparing it for you in the presence of your enemies because you have to pick him. So if I'm going back to the very beginning of the point of why and how do I stay strong through these dips of life, through these absolute crazy times... I have to think about this table that the Lord has prepared for me in the presence of my enemies. And on that table, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. But there's a problem because it's easy to sit down. This is reflective of God for those of y'all at home. And this is Justin. So it's easy for me to look at this cool stuff and sit down. Sit on a microphone, that's not going to work buying that today. It's easy for me to sit down, pour myself a cup of Fiji water in my heavenly life, 
and take a rest for a moment because here we are having a conversation with God. This table that the Lord has prepared for me in the presence of my enemies. Now, we have to define my enemies. My enemies are defined with everything that is struggling or troubling you. Those two words didn't want to come out at the same time. So any trial that you are going through in life. So here's the point that I'm coming to this morning, that this table that was prepared for me is where God wants me to be, even in the midst of my troubles. And I think it's, now y'all can't drink yet. The problem is, is if I just sit down all as well, it's me and God and we're having grapes and I'd rather some steak or something cool like that. But in the moment, that's what I got. <clears throat> the problem is, is that it's very easy for the devil to sit down at your table, right? John 10.10 10 says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. God says, I came to have life and have it more abundantly. So it's not hard as I'm trying to live this struggle in life and the devil rolls up as I'm sitting, sits down with me. He's like, hey, can I, can I sit for a minute? Well, this table's not designed. Hey, there's God's seat. There's Justin's seat. And now the devil done sat down. He said, hey, can, mind if I sit here for a minute? Mm, cool. I like, I like Fiji. Fiji water's good. Y'all kids are, must be the enemy. You're eyeballing my stuff. This is mine. So the devil sits down. He's like, hey, hey, can I get, you mind if I sit down for a minute? And, hmm, I like that. Yeah, that's good. And, and, he, and he starts to look at me and say, hey, how you doing? Did you, did you hear what John said? Did, did you hear what so-and-so said? And he starts to sow that discord. There was never an invite at this table. God prepared this table for me. He didn't prepare this table so that the devil could grab something. The problem is, is God doesn't control who sits at this table. We do. We control who we allow to sit at the table of our life and influence and affect our spot. I still want you to have the visual representation that God is sitting here and I'm sitting here. But I am in the presence of my enemies. And all those encircling the devil. In all of the ways, and again, let's go back to when I use the term trials or, or, or valleys or whatever. All of y'all are thinking something different. Those are the enemies that you're thinking about. At your table, the thing that you are going through right now, whatever is troubling you, whether it's something to do with this pandemic, whether you've lost your job, whether you've lost family members, whether it doesn't matter. Insert your own adventure at that point. That's the beauty of the gospel and the understanding. It, it doesn't matter what the circumstance is. It's still for you. Amen? So we have to make sure that the devil does not take a seat at my table. And we have to know that the devil, how do we know? Let's go with that. How do we know that the devil has made it to our table? You start to hear things like, uh, you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. The far side of your trial you're not going to make it. The mountain is big. The grass is thick right over there. You might as well just sit here for a while. You're not going to He's still chilling at my table. Let's go with that. And he's still eating my grapes. I can't even talk. Here, you can hold that. <clears throat> Number two, he's telling you that life is better at another table. So this is the table that God prepared for me. But it's surrounded by other tables. And all those other enemies and all those things out there have tables full of cool stuff. And the devil's at my table, and he's telling me that, you know what? Your table, you should be at that one over there. I, I want you guys to start applying this to your life, not, not mine. It's a goofy illustration. 
but it makes sense the next time you get into a trial and you realize that you're trying to get out of this trial, but God says, I am with you, but you're like, I'm not letting you. I'm going to listen to all the other stuff, even though in the midst of my trial, God has prepared a table for me that he is sitting down at. He said, I saw the good shepherd and the good shepherd laid down his life for his sheep in all caps. This reservation cost him everything. This reservation of preparing a table for your time of need cost God everything in the form of his son. Amen. This reservation that he sits down at is waiting for you to just sit with him and just be with him. That you're inviting the enemy at your table is cost him his life. Oftentimes the enemy at your table likes to say that you're not good enough. No, never said that. All right. Sometimes he says that everyone is against you. That one's good, right? So there's lots and lots and lots of ways for you to start figuring out if the enemy has made it to your table. And the crazy part, I'm going to get off my notes because I don't like him anymore. The crazy part is I'm the only one that gets to invite people to my table. If somebody goes to sit down at my table that I don't want at my table, I have absolutely the right to say no, no. Why? Because... If my walk with the Lord is good, and I believe his word, and what he says in Psalm 23 is legit, and I said it out loud, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I have to be content with what's at this table, and I have to be ready that when the devil comes as the enemy, prowling around trying to take me out, or trying to keep me from getting through this valley, because again, you might be on top of the mountain today fantastic if you are. I love to be the bearer of amazingly bad news, but you're going to be in a valley soon enough. Amen? You don't get to be a Christian and not go through the valley. You're lying if you say that it's possible. It's not possible. It's physically not possible. So we have to be prepared how to. And the beauty is, is surrounded by my enemies. If I was to make every child in this room come up and be an enemy right here, I'm still wanting to have a conversation with the Lord who built this table. And I want the reflection of God that's sitting here with me shine on my face, reflecting to all of my enemies. So your enemies that are trying to drag you down during your trials and tribulations look you in the face and go, man, I don't know what it is, but I want it. I don't remember which one's mine. Both now. And that's where you want to be, and that's the representation. And when I started breaking down Psalm 23, I like the beginning. I like to have to understand that I am a sheep in need of a shepherd, but I like the fact that I have to be defensive, I I shall not want. And then I start to think about the table that he prepares for me every time. So I want you to think of this week as you are, if you get run down on something, if you're currently going through a trial, if if you've got something in your life that is not happening like you would like it to or that you think is not how God would want it to be, I want you to think about who is sitting at the table that God prepared for you and him, who's sitting at that table with you. Amen? You know what? I quit. That's my point. It's a picture. It's a reflection. It's a stuck in the middle of your trial. And my point was, how do I read through 2 Corinthians 4 
about going through rough times and the outward man is in a rough spot, but the inward man is renewing. How do I stay continually renewed? That's sitting at this table with God and God alone and not allowing anybody else at my table and I'm feasting on what God provided for Justin. The reflection of his face is on my face and my enemies see that and I don't let them sit at the table. Oh, y'all leave now. Is it something that I said? Oh, no, it's noon. We didn't beat Elkview Baptist to Mexican. Guess we'll have to go for another hour while the praise team comes. Uh, We're going to finish this thing up because that's my point. I don't need to belabor or belittle or whatever the right word is there. I don't need to keep going on with it. You get the picture. It makes sense. You want a grape, sir? He only took one. What kind of child is that? You just take the ball. Amen.